1: Interesting.
0: Okay, so those the questions, those 10 questions that we ask every guest, um, what is the most unrealistic thing you believe in?
2: Mm. Oh, that that um, even when I'm shaking my head um, in disbelief, at some point I will understand the value of what has happened. So in a way that everything happens for a reason, or at least that I am able to, if I'm open-minded enough, find the value in everything that has happened. Everything.
1: That's good. That's good. Yeah. If there was one behavior or action you could get everyone in the world to do or stop doing, what would it be?
2: Wish they would stop trying to save other people and focus on themselves. Yes. I, th-
0: I still think... I know we talked about AA as a cult, but I do think the Serenity Prayer is one of the most powerful... Uh, so
2: fucking great. Mantras. Totally great. Totally agree. And how I much, have it on my mirror right now.
0: It has It has transformed... I've, it's the main thing... Yeah, it's the main thing I ever pray for. Like, anytime I get a wish on, like, a dandelion or a candle or whatever, you know, that's what I wish for. And how much it has changed. My perspective of it has changed in the last three years or so of, of Mm -hmm. any time or like when I started really saying this prayer, I really, uh, was in a state of, of manipulating it, of, of trying Mm -hmm. to take anything. And, uh, manipulated to fit the thing of like oh this is a thing that i can change but and I so i gotta change.
2: have i can I'm change sure. this person's mind i can change the way that yes yeah, i totally so, get so that i, I, I totally can have console. the
0: the courage to change the things i can because i can change everything it's all mine to change and then like yeah then uh i mean it's still it's definitely i think it'll be a permanent work in progress because that's my i don't know baseline programming but what I-
2: Well, what a perfect prayer for you then. And to say it with a different tone, with a tone of honesty with self. I mean, that's my, that's my wish. My wish would just be that people would, would, would turn inward and tend to their own, their own inner garden, because so much would be resolved if we stopped blaming and focusing on others' actions. And every time there's a protest, I sit at home and meditate. Mm. That is, Well,
0: yeah, the main, hard. like, wisdom that I've gotten from this prayer as it's become more true is that when it's things, when it's actually courage to change the things that I actually can change, how much easier it is
2: than to change the things that I can't. And- the shit you can't. Oh, my God. It's so, and it's, like, I don't know how often you've actually done this exercise, like, to write down, because we do this pretty often in our family just to validate the kids' concerns. We write down the stuff we're worried about. And then we talk about what we can do stuff about and we make an action plan. And then we look at the other shit and it's like, wow, we, we have no control over those eight things. So why yeah. worry about them? Let's remove those from the list of, of priorities of things that we you know, spend our mental real estate on.
0: I like that. All right. Let's we'll yeah, start writing so that pragmatic. down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love great. it. All right. Uh, what is the most annoying thing about people?
2: mm I mean, I think it just goes with those first two things their their external focus just an absolute refusal to look inward and and like that serenity prayer and and acknowledge that which can be changed and focus on actionable steps toward that. It's just so annoying to me that I mean you know I don't participate in social media for you know a million reasons, but um primarily because I can't watch I cannot watch um the the delusional blaming of the other because it's not different for me the left is not different from the right from you know a bird's eye view they're just angry and hateful and righteous and certain and mean and it is and they're so busy looking at the other so I I, you know an inability to look at the self that's what's annoying
1: totally love it uh what is something that is really popular now but in 5 years everyone will look back on and be embarrassed by
2: Ketamine <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All
0: right what's your favorite thing about yourself
2: I am brave I um I don't have you know a lack of fear I have massive crippling fear And I do it all anyway in the face of that. Every time I'm scared, I think of all the things that I was scared to do before from having a baby and placing him for adoption when I was 17 to moving to California to applying to live in this paradise on a hill, um, which I think most people wouldn't have even had the balls to apply. (laughs) Um, So just, you know, bravery
1: What's your most embarrassing story from childhood?
2: Mm. Oh God, there's so many to choose from. Uh, what's <laughs> What's the one I'll share today? Um, I was at the country club with my brother, at my grandmother's country club. We did not have a country club, let me clarify. My grandmother lived in a very small town. It was really just the community pool and they had this tower in the center. And I was quite a chubby little thing at age 10 with a boy's haircut. Um, I, you know, like really hard to look at. There are very few pictures from this time. (laughs) I am so, so traumatized by my, my physical presentation. I mean, I, you know, I was a very ugly duckling. It's, it's just a true story. And I was definitely, there were like two populations of kids jumping off this water tower in the center of this giant Olympic sized pool. There were the cool older kids, right? You know, like junior high and high schoolers and then the tiny kids. And there was like nobody like nine, 10, 11, 12 that was, you know, jumping off and swimming under and climbing up the stairs. And I was just eagerly jumping over and over again. i had been looking forward to this shit all summer long. I was completely oblivious to the social circumstances surrounding me. Um, And at some point, one of the, like, middle, the older boys pinched my butt, clearly on a dare from some of the other ones. And I obviously was horrified. Um, And also, I think it's when I, like, dropped into my body and realized that I was this thing that wasn't those things. And those things were very much laughing at me. And I was so embarrassed to be the one kid in that age group who was behaving like a six-year-old jumping off this thing. So, yeah. And I don't think well, I've ever told anybody that I got my butt pinched until this very conversation. Wow. Uh, so, congratulations on me airing that. Original content. That, uh, you heard it here exactly first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm deb- debuting that story here.
0: All right. What is your least favorite thing about being a parent?
2: Oh God, it's heartbreaking. Um, it's just heartbreaking. I mean, it's you know they. You think that there are ways that you can protect your children from learning all of the incredibly difficult lessons that you learned, and you realize that they can't be saved from that. There's only one way to get through um, developing and individuating and dealing with tough social circumstances and peer pressures and bad ideas and bad actors, and you can't protect them from any of that they're just and it's they get hurt man they just fucking get hurt and when your children hurt you hurt like like you've never hurt for yourself it is a whole different kind of hurt and you are hopeless and helpless (laughs) because you know you know as a parent I guess I am lucky enough to know that they will they will bounce back I've seen them bounce back I bounced back the resilience is there but when they're in it oh Sounds dreadful. Yeah, That sounds terrifying. <laughs> totally worth it because when they're happy, it is the best mm. drug on earth. When they are in a moment of flow, and they don't even know you're in the room, and you're just watching them be totally in their bodies and engaged in the world in this totally innocent way,
1: it's worth every heartbreak a million times.
2: Oh, right, that
0: was
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> what is the book that has most influenced your life
2: mm. oh god guys i'm a i'm a i'm a bookworm this is a this is a tricky question for me um most influenced my life oh as separate uh, from
1: most favorite but had the biggest impact. yeah
2: totally, totally. um I think that that J.M. Coetzee's book, *Waiting for the Barbarians*, um, which is a novel by a South African author, I think I've heard people say Coetzee and Coetzee. I don't know which one's correct. Um, turned me into a storyteller. I saw the value of taking abstract concepts and weaving them in a way that would would change people's experience on the planet.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah, interesting. Interesting. That's a new one. We get a lot of repeats for this question. It's an interesting oh, yeah? One.
2: Like what? Like what? Give me a couple. Uh, the like Four Agreements. What? Oh, God. <laughs> I said man, Search for Meaning. I mean, the Four Agreements was a big one for me. I'm not going to lie. That was big. The Toltec stuff is huge. It's why I went to Teotihuacan. The guy who led that trip is one of his actual disciples, and the woman who led the trip was his his agent and manager, Don Miguel Ruiz. So I get
0: that's crazy. We just read it for the first time uh, the, during the first couple weeks of quarantine. It's about the beginning of March. Because um, so many people on the podcast just, recommend it. Yeah, I really
2: like it. I just feel like it's... Okay, cool. Okay, yeah. So the other one I would guess is, like, I don't know. What else? Man, Search for Meaning? That was the one I was asking. No, I, I think that's like that a really bit deal, outdated maybe.
0: now, maybe. Um, the Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck is a huge one.
2: Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, I bought that for my son, and he loved it.
0: And The Power of Now, which we've just started oh, yeah. reading.
2: I've, I've never read that, so I'm interested to hear. It's a,
0: um, We're um, having, having a, a hard, John- long time getting through it. Jonathan was obsessed. What was that?
2: Jonathan was obsessed with it, and uh, I, because of that, I have not been interested.
1: Oh. <laughs> I really enjoy it. I mean, with the power of now and the four agreements, I feel like are sort of reaffirming and and, and sort of eloquently saying things that always resonated with me, which is nice to have those things reaffirmed um, and reminded of, and sort of give yourself a way to speak to yourself about these things. I think is really useful.
2: I I love that okay so that makes a lot of sense to me and I think that that's why so many of these self-help books are as successful as they are because a lot of the times they're restating you know what what you already probably believe or something to that effect right
0: they're trying to speak to ultimate truths for sure right yeah I think that's a new and
2: top four for sure okay cool well yeah so add add the South African novel to the list (laughs) all right do.
0: It's, yeah, it's would be interesting to get more novels. Interesting to get more novels. Um, what life practices do you do to keep yourself sane and balanced?
2: Um, I practice transcendental, um, which I trained in at the David Lynch Foundation here in L.A. Nice. very, very important to my sanity. I do believe that there is a, a huge difference in the types of meditation. Um, a lot of meditation feels like work. A lot of people feel like they're failing at it. Transcendental meditation is completely different than anything I'd ever experienced. Um, that's why it's got a very big and, and, um, sort of, uh, serious following. People are, you know, devotees of this 10,000 year old meditation. So that's a big deal. Um, you know, I just, I I told you guys earlier in the show, the, the food has become a really big thing for me. Um nourishing my body. Um, I'm an avid sleeper. I sleep a lot. I listen to a guy who's a sleep expert a lot. And I think that we, uh, all over the world, not just in America, really underestimate the importance of sleep. We talk all the time about exercising and diet and self-help but we sleep too little yeah i would um, even say so in la lot. it's
0: like the opposite more than ever and that i'd ever experienced it was always people bragging about how little sleep they got the night before especially on film sets where where nobody's not a single person is getting eight hours of sleep if you're on a film set but people are coming in and like uh, being like oh like i might have been like i'm having a hard time i only got five hours of sleep last night and then somebody trying to like one-up me being like i'm fine i only got two hours of sleep and it's like all right well cause
2: yeah so stupid. That's you, you might as well be like, Oh, so I just you know, I'm not struggling because I smoked crack right now because yeah. it has a, such a, such a degrading impact on your mental health. Your brain doesn't ever get into phase four sleep, which is like when the vacuum cleaner of your brain turns on and, and sucks up all the debris. It's very, very important. So sleep, meditation, but not the kind everybody else does. Um, food and, and and social social connection. I have a lot of really meaningful, deep um, real relationships in my life that, um, and I go to church, big, big surprise, everybody. I, uh, do not believe in the Bible. Literally. I go to a very, um, affirmative, diverse church. I have a black gay pastor yes. who speaks truth in a way that, um, that I believe is pulled straight from kind of the civil rights movement and the LGBTQIA aff- you know, affirmation movement. And I, um, And I find a lot of comfort in using the stories of the Bible to explain in the same way we use myth or hero's journey. It's been interesting for me in the last three years to sort of re-adopt Christianity as a path to um, social justice work more than anything else. But so that's a huge part of my life that I don't usually claim. But I think in this context, after everybody just heard me talk about psychedelics, I can say that (laughs) without it. Communicating the wrong stuff because yeah. Christians generally are not my people.
1: Totally,
2: yeah. that's very interesting.
1: Okay. I, mean, I really hope because I mean, because church has such connotations to it, religion has such a connotation to it, it's hard, yeah. it's, and so much baggage, especially for, I don't say like, it. It. You know, our generation. And, and, and yeah, man, I don't lead with it. Yeah, it's it's tough. Th- <laughs> I mean, it's a shame though because like you know we sort of have, especially more recently, have seen this. Like, I, I, actually, I've heard that there's a new reemergence of this amongst Gen Zs, but. Um, it seems like we've lost a lot of the connected and community that came from these organized religions that that was a benefit yeah. that it was that we haven't replaced yet. And I don't know, I no. don't know we need to replace it with I, something. I don't know if we should call it religion or, or church, but it'll be really interesting to see how it's replaced. Cause I truly believe that it is inevitable that it will be replaced by something cause we need it desperately.
2: So I'm so curious about this topic. I have a friend who went to the Black Lives Matter march yesterday in Los Angeles, and we are in a prayer group, which is not what, what?
1: you're there thinking There was a of. march yesterday? We- oh, yeah. How there's is a, that legal yes. there's a whole, there's a whole, in um,
2: Los Angeles? Yeah. It's not legal. Um, they were yeah. very much being, you know, um, uh, getting in the way of traffic, et cetera. But they, um, I just mean in terms of quarantine. Aren't you still on lockdown of it's, some sort? It's not legal. It's not legal, but, you know, I mean, I think that that was part of the point they were making. Like, oh, we get really worked up when old people might die. But, you know, um, you know, black people are still not safe to walk around in their own neighborhood. They can't even trust law enforcement, et cetera. But I, I, one of the things that I mentioned, because my family, this is for a different podcast, was very... My grandfather was one of the ministers who received the letter from Dr. Martin Luther King from the Birmingham County Jail. He was very active in the civil rights movement. One of the things that... All has always been curious to me is how. Oh, sorry. One of these things that has been curious to me about these protests and these, you know, organized movements of social action has been that they all are rooted. Their roots are deep in faith. All of the songs of the civil rights movement were church songs. Lift every voice and sing. And mm-hmm. all of these sort of um, deeply connected and morally, ethically motivated um, revolutions were rooted in a faith. Um, and many of the leaders were were avid believers in maybe not like like I am not the literal translation with this death grip on literalism of these of these texts, but the essence of them, the message of hope and, and equality and love. And, and, it, and it was a, a big thing missing for my friend Rachel, who was there, that there isn't a, a moment of prayer of some kind. Like, that's why we have a prayer group, because we explore the power of connected contemplative moments it's not about praying to a God or celebrating a, a faith choice. It's about sharing a moment of, of connecting with deeper purpose and connected, you know, collaborative purpose, and sharing a hope. And it's gone. Mm-hmm. There's none of that at churches. There's no moment where we join hands and share in a humble, you know, I don't know like men don't get on their knees and pray and I remember being a child and seeing grown men powerful men get on their knees and humble themselves and that it didn't matter what they were doing that to it just mattered that they were doing that and that's gone yeah and the sort of the moment this moment where religion is so out of vogue it is is almost anti it is fully anti-religious the The activist community is, is, is vocally anti-religious. And I think it's a shame because there's still so much richness to be found there. If you can find a place that is open-minded, like I have. That's awesome.
1: It is. It is. What is the most environmentally friendly thing that you do or would like others to do?
2: Whew. Um... This is my this is my Achilles heel, guys. This is my area of weakness. Y'all found it. Um, I I think probably that I actively do. I just I try to not. <laughs> this is this is gonna sound so funny. Every time I think of going to do something this is prior to quarantine, okay? I'm not obviously during quarantine, but like for the last probably 3 years, every time I think of going to do something, to consume something, to purchase something, to drive somewhere, I just don't. <laughs> like like 9 out of, 9 out of 10 times. It's not that I do it and I take public transit or I do it and I consume something that's, you know, going to, you know, create no waste i just don't do whatever like if i think of going to ikea to get new bookshelves i just never do it i just (laughs) refuse to actually take action to go and consume that thing that will end up in a dump and you know create a bigger carbon footprint so it's saying no to all of my wasteful ideas
1: that's fucking fantastic i love it yeah man that's not easy either yeah yeah (laughs)
2: It's actually so easy. It's a total habit. I'll get really fired up about going and, and getting something, consuming something, you know, being a consumer. And anytime I consume anything, just like all of us, it's eventually going to be trash. So I've gotten really good at being like, that's a terrible idea. You're just going <laughs> to waste gas and create trash. So stay home.
1: <laughs> One thing that when we came to Thailand I was really surprised by is, you know, we're in Thailand. It's different, different vibe of consumerism. It's just it's, – it's, it's, but then we would go, we would need something for the home and we'd go to these big sort of department stores that felt very Western and, and, and the sense of calm.
2: The that, sense of calm
1: that we away, felt like. Yeah, it was just like, like, oh my God, like this feels so good in this. <laughs> <laughs> it was so weird to acknowledge familiar. that. Yeah, familiar. Like, and just, just like excitement like at being bath able to buy, yeah, like buy bed bath. And beyond, just be like, we're going to get this cool shower rack. Like it was just, yeah. I was, it, it we're going to really get a glass
0: pitcher.
2: This is so exciting! Oh gosh, so so these are like these are little these are little you know attachments to memory. These are your beautiful sort of nuggets of of yummy stuff from your life here that that you get a little glimpse of over there. That's so interesting that that's one of the places where that is noticeable to you.
1: Totally, I was not expecting it. Totally, I was not expecting it. It Yeah, interesting.
2: Interesting. What an odd place for that to happen, but also it makes total sense (laughs) because it feels like a Western home in there. I bet. Yes.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, why do people do small talk
2: well I don't I'm not good at it um, another
0: reason why I love you I,
2: I, uh, yeah I dive deep like every time I always joke that my clients who work with me in my agency they always know that you know that I've made a movie about drug addiction and I have a child I placed for adoption. And I, uh, you know, there's like eight or 10 points of of differentiation between me and every other person on the planet that everybody knows within knowing me for like one hour. (laughs) Um, because it's so relevant to who I am, but I think that it's about hiding. And I think that most people are not comfortable or they haven't had enough affirmation about who they really are at a deeper level to feel comfortable exposing that, to anyone else even people they've known for quite a long time and so I think that one of the things that I really like to try to break through with people that I work with on psychedelics or just in regular therapeutic um, settings is is affirming whatever those those truths about themselves are because usually that just has not happened sufficiently and people are hiding behind story or they're hiding behind small talk or they're hiding um, just hiding because that's safer so I think it's about you know protecting yourself and in a way that feels familiar.
0: Very well said. Yes. All right. Well, those that was, that was uh, all of our questions. So, um, where can people find you and the documentary? And is there anything our listeners can do to support you?
2: Yeah. Yes. Um, I would. I would love. I would love to have more conversations with people about psychedelics. They can. They can email me anytime at. Barron at gmail.com the new website for meta holistic mental health which will be a nationwide collective of um people who've both been interviewed for my movie these sort of experts and in, in the new wave of mental health but also psychedelic uh, medicine workers that will be at meta m-e-t-t-a dot la or Um, metanatural.com is the current website for the psychedelic work exclusively Um, it's kind of poorly built for somebody who runs a creative agency so apologies for the (laughs) for the slapped together website but it does have some great resources on there Um, and the movie is now being called many long roads because I have a belief that um, what brings people into that state of, of um, crisis and addiction? Um, there's, it's never the same way in and it's never the same way out. Um, and so I sort of wanted to name that unique journey in the title. So it's many long roads. Unfortunately, right now it is called The Come Down, which was a very clickbaity title at the time when we were doing title testing. Um so it can be seen right now at the ComeDownfilm.com, exactly how it sounds, but eventually it will be at minilongroads.com. Um, but yeah, again, I'm gonna spell out my email. The best thing to do is just reach out. I'm very I'm a welcome recipient of questions and emails and love, love talking to people. Um so it's Becca, B-E-C-C A, Braren, B-R-A-R-E-N at Gmail.com. And if anybody has deep pockets and wants to help us finish getting the movie color corrected and audioed, <laughs> audio mixed, they're also welcome to reach out to me about that. Cause we're still lacking a little bit of funding to make it as good as it can be. Nice. That's
1: great. Nice.
2: Awesome. Um, can you send me a picture
0: of yourself that we can use for promotion for this? Yeah, for okay, sure. Cool. All right. Yes, Absolutely. Well, it has been so incredibly wonderful to talk to you and get to hear about all of the magical things that you are doing and creating, and I'm so excited that we now have a plan to come visit you as our re-entry to American Society.
2: <laughs> you guys, so. I'm so excited to host you, and um, I, it's it's just been a real, real pleasure. You guys are wonderful, and I appreciate the um, enthusiasm and support. It really means a lot to me.
0: I appreciate all of the wonderful contributions you're making to the world. Thank you, on behalf of humans and of the planet.
1: <laughs> yes, thank you. Oh,
2: thank you so much. And you guys get here quickly. Let me know when you're coming, okay? All right, sounds will. good. We'll do. All right, all right. Talk to you soon. Bye.
1: Bye. Bye.